Hey, V1 Church, this is Mike Signorelli, the co-lead pastor, and I want to welcome you to this episode. Have you ever been in a situation where you have felt the pain of being single? Maybe you're feeling the pain of being married right now, or maybe you're still suffering from the pain of a divorce. I mean, sometimes we block people, they make new accounts and follows from other ones. All kinds of madness happens, and we delve into that with this sermon. So without further ado, check it out, Blurred Lines. Hey, church, can you put your hands together for everyone who's watching live right now? Hey, what's up? How's everyone doing? We've got people who tune in. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this last week. We have people who tune in from Latin American countries. Dios te bendiga, hermanos. Dios está aquí and where you're watching from. Uh, and then we have people who watch from even Africa and these other, where I'm like, what time is it? What are you guys, what are you doing? Maybe it's a good thing, right? Uh, but I'm going to preach to you today about boundaries. And do I have any note takers here today? People who want to learn and dig in. We're talking about boundaries today. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to waste any time because that 1215 movie is going to start and Evan's going to have a heart attack. I'm doing this for you, Evan. <laughs> I'm doing this for you. Because I just want to talk to you guys all day. I've missed you. But my wife is in Queens tearing it up right now. And we had a full auditorium in Queens last week, four months or four uh, weeks into our launch. Isn't that incredible? God's just moving there. Some amazing stories. Uh, But I want to talk to you about boundaries today. Say boundaries. Oh, and then it felt nasty. No, nobody likes boundaries. You know what I mean? Are you like me? I hate boundaries. Boundaries? Tell me I can't do something. See, that's why God had to make me a church planner. He had to give me something so dangerous that he fed that Dennis the Menace inside of me. He hates boundaries, right? Anyone else, you just hate boundaries? You know, and so, but right now we've got these conditions in our nation that, are, that seem to indicate that boundaries still matter. And, and we're telling everyone we're in this sexually liberated era. We're telling everyone that we understand biology in a way that previous generations didn't. We're telling everyone that we have this wisdom and we have this knowledge in the area of sexuality, but I'm not believing it because we're turning around and there are allegations and criminal, uh, you know, like criminal charges being pressed against people for things that they did decades ago, which seems to indicate that there are lines that are definitive and not blurry. You picking up on what I'm putting down? And so the world, whether they want to admit it or not, does believe that not all the lines are blurry. And so what I'm concerned with as a pastor is I'm concerned with this one thing. If I believe that God made you, if he formed you from the dust of the earth, breathed into humanity and said, be fruitful and multiply, a.k.a. have a ton of sex. And somebody said, amen. All right. Um, (laughs) You know, then you got here. You got here because somebody had sex. Probably. That's the most likely reason. And and so. I'm most concerned with fundamentally, if, if God created sex and sexuality, what does he have to say about it? And what's his boundaries? Because if I do it his way, I'm going to be blessed. But most of us can't even use a vacuum cleaner the way that the manufacturer calls for. And we don't read instructions for anything. And you can see that humanity has taken that same approach to our sexuality. And how's that working out, right? You know, there's this study that I was reading recently that said that uh, it seems to indicate that 50% of all infidelities start or have some origin in Facebook. 
Isn't that crazy? And it's not Mark Zuckerberg's fault. I'm just telling you right now. It's your fault. <laughs> and we used to have this thing called a high school reunion. Y'all, you know, you remember those? And you go back and you're like, man, that person, wow, you, you're different. Um, and you kind of have that phenomenon, but now we don't have that. We have Facebook, and so we can rekindle these old flames, and we can, you know, that type of scenario. Well, there was this story from, from the U.K. recently that was, like, mind-boggling to me. So you have a husband and a wife in the living room. They're both on their devices on social media, and they're both cheating on each other in the same room, right? Now, that's scandalous, you know what I'm saying? And they're, they're messaging this person. The conversation is escalating. How many of you know lust always escalates? If you're taking notes, there's your first note. Lust escalates. And they're, they're just going on that journey of that, that excitement and that exhilaration from crossing a boundary. And they're in the same room with each other. Well, over the course of their conversation with their uh, respective person they're cheating with, they both of them make the decision to meet that person in reality. Like, we're going to actually meet up and take this to the next level. Well, and some of you probably are picking up on where this is going. They show up to the designated meeting place only to discover that they were cheating on each other with each other. All right, let's pray. Father, <laughs> they, no, here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. God gave you two pastors who had the worst marriage on the planet. And look what God's done. Amen. Not that we have a perfect marriage, but we're perfect hearted and we're growing and, and all that. And I'll tell you, at the point where Julie and I were in a, in a bad spot, if that same situation would have played out, there'd have been this twisted, sick part of me that would have been like, well, at least we know we still have chemistry. You know what I mean? Like, I just spit all over. You see, this is embarrassing to talk about. But what happened instead was that meetup shocked them and then became the impetus for a divorce. And, and so, you know, there was this, this boundary that was crossed, and they both crossed it. We need accountability. We need boundaries. And just go ahead and write this down. This is the first point I want to make today is that boundaries prove that you have a greater vision for your life. Like, why boundaries? Boundaries are actually your proof that you have a greater vision for your life. Boundaries prove. If somebody's like, man, Pastor Mike, I believe that I'm going to play music in stadiums and I'm going to preach to the nations and I'm going to actually grow and, and build a multinational million-dollar business, multi-million-dollar business, the proof that I look for in a leader is boundaries. Because the, the boundary always gives me the insight into the faith that is producing a future. Can I unpack that for you? And it's something that you see all the time. Successful people with integrity, they have a list of things that they simply will and will not do. They have boundaries. Boundaries always seem foolish, though, to people who don't understand success. It's always going to seem foolish. Like, and here's an indicator. If you've got friends who don't understand the boundaries that you're getting ready to put in your life, chances are they're not going where you're going. And sometimes boundaries will actually be that separation between you and your homies so that you can get onto the next level. And you'll find out who your real friends are when you stop doing something. Who hangs with you when you stop doing it? Boundaries will reveal faith about the future. You know, lust always leaves collateral, but love leaves a legacy. 
If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Lust always leaves collateral, but love leaves a legacy. People who don't think about legacy don't understand this principle. Because, see, legacy is this, is this sense that you came from somewhere. That legacy is the combination of history and future. Legacy is when you say, this is who we are and what I inherited and what I will become. And see, if you come from where I come from, because I was born and raised in a trailer park, I didn't really receive anything from the past to be too proud of. And then you start losing vision for the future. That is going to produce present moment compromise. Present. So lust always leaves this collateral damage where you have to clean it up. You know what's crazy to think about before we move on? Some of you have inherited the collateral damage of a lustful relationship that you didn't even do. Your parents, their parents, their parents, and you're, and you're dealing with this collateral and you're like, where did this fragment of brokenness and this piece come from? Well, that's four generations old. And so it takes somebody stepping up and saying, I'm going to have vision for the future that's going to produce a boundary for the present. See that? And you didn't shout me down because so many of us struggle in this area where dreams die, where vision dies. And you know, here's the thing. The same situations that you encounter are either going to give you every reason to succeed or every excuse to fail. I used to look at people, and this was me. Can I just, can I just t- tell on myself right now just to help you? You know, I clawed my way up in life. I came from some really crazy uh, backgrounds and I clung, but you know, I, in my twenties, I used to feel like I was the exception to the rule. Like the reason why I messed up was because things were harder in my past and they are harder in my present. And I looked at people with boundaries and how they live their life. And I'd say, well, it's easier for them. They get along better with their wife. Their wife's not Julie. That's why they can have those boundaries. Now that you know her, how stupid does that sound? I used to say things like, well, they didn't have, you know, multiple abusive stepdads. They didn't come from poverty. And I, and I gave myself every excuse to fail instead of giving myself every reason to succeed. And, you know, even in this current situation I'm in right now, my life is just as hard as your life. If not, every day is the hardest day of my life. And the difference is I chose what am I going to do with this? And I think that when I switched over, it was so liberating. And, and, and I want somebody here today to get that revelation. Can I take you to the Bible, though? Genesis chapter 30. Man, man Aaron just went full gospel over there. <laughs> Genesis chapter 39 gives an account of a man named Joseph. Now, if ever you start thinking that your life was hard, go back to Genesis chapter 39. Get it tattooed on your arm. Because then you'll, you'll be like, oh, oh. Joseph had a vision for his future, and that vision caused so much jealousy that his brothers conspired against him in hopes to thwart that vision that they threw him in a well and sold him into slavery. Do you know that sometimes even having a vision will cause other people to flare up and rise up against you? Do you know that it's dangerous to have a vision before you ever even fulfill it? Do you know that people will reject you before you even become successful just because you start expressing the desire to do so? Oh, you're not hearing me today. 
You better get used to rejection because you're going to get rejected before success, during success, as you continue to be successful. And Joseph shows us that story. And it was like sold into slavery. Now he's working his way up, stewarding everything around him. And this is, it's like, it's hard to read Joseph. It's convicting because I'm like, man, I wish I was a quarter of, of the guy that he was. But he's stewarding each moment. He's going through each test and passing them. And, and by the time you get to Genesis chapter 39, you actually give this account of what's happening in his life. He's handsome. He looked, man, this guy is built. This guy, I mean, come on now. But here's the other thing. He, he was a man too. He was coming into his own. He had some testosterone flowing through his blood. He was in a drought, a long drought. You know what a drought is, right? Do I have to spell it out for you? Some of you are like, no, you don't. Just pray me through it. Pray me through it, Lord Jesus. <laughs> the person laughing the hardest needs help. Just pray for them. <laughs> They're laughing, but it's crying on the inside. And Joseph was like, let's not get too real. We need boundaries here. Uh, but, but Joseph was in this, this drought. I mean, he, and you know, here's the thing. When you're in slavery and I, when, you're, when you're going, I, I can only empathize. But as Joseph was going through every season of life, now he's in his manhood. And now he, he, he's got testosterone. He's got all these reasons. Now, if anyone was ever going to fail sexually and have a good excuse where you'd say, you know what? It's not right, but I believe I, I get it. It would have been Joseph because there was no hope of him getting out of slavery. And so if so, here's what happens. He gets put in command of Potiphar's house. Potiphar was a general. He was like a celebrity in Egypt. So then here comes Potiphar's wife. Now, let me tell you about her Instagram account back in the day. She was wearing a crop top with spandex doing, doing these <laughs> squats. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry if I caused somebody to stumble here today. <laughs> She's in a crop top wearing spandex doing squats on her Instagram. And this is what Joseph saw every single day. And he's in a long drought and he's been done wrong by his family. Am I making scripture come alive to you? And he had every single reason to fail because then guess what's happened? Guess what happens? He's just being Joseph, being Joseph. He's just being Joseph. And, and Potiphar's wife has this Instagram account where she, her makeup's always done. I mean, this was like a celebrity's wife. She would have been very desirable. It wouldn't have been like Joseph was like, nah, I'll pass. You know, you don't get, you don't, you don't scare, you don't score any points for something that's not a temptation. All right. It's when it's a temptation that you see what a man's really made of. You know what I mean? And so all of a sudden, can I read you the Bible? Chapter 39 says this. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And this is talking about Potiphar. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So Joseph was doing his job well. He was about the mission. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and, and said, lie with me. Remember last week's message? It was what she saw that initiated the thing inside of her heart. And she says, come lie. You know what she said? Let's Netflix and chill, Joseph. Potiphar's not home. That's in my Bible. Do you guys see that? But he refused. Someone say access denied. 
But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. In other words, let me remind you, I'm on a mission. I have a vision for my future. And what I see by faith for the future is helping me reject something in the present moment. See, he's, he's, this is the first response Joseph gets is remember, I'm on a mission. Okay. And then it says this. He is not greater in his house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except for you because you are his wife. First thing he does is remind her, I'm on a mission. I ain't got time for that. Number two is he reminds her who she really is. One of the keys to actually reversing the sexual brokenness and putting up boundaries is what if you looked at the woman who had been tempting you so much and said, you are a daughter of God. Remember who you are. It's heavy, isn't it? It's heavy because Joseph said, I'm on a mission. I've been input. I've been, all this stuff you see is for me to be in charge of. Now it was just one guy's house, but how many of you know the end of the story was Joseph being in charge of everyone's house in Egypt. He was faithful with the little and became steward over much. And see, because he could remind Potiphar's wife who she really was, then God said, Joseph, I'm going to have, have you actually remind all of the people who they really are. It's deep. It's deep. Anyone preaching with me today? Can I keep reading? How then can I do this great, wicked, and sinful thing against God? The next thing that Joseph does is he calls a spade a spade. What if we had God's standard for a thing again? And instead of pornography being an escape, pornography is actually a sin. What if having the fantasy about the person that you're not committed to is actually called what it really is? It's not a fantasy, it's wickedness. I mean, what, what, if, what if the standard, isn't that what's happening? Isn't there a battle for lines and territory right now? That's what we're dealing with in this day and age. And it's, it's, it's Joseph is such a perfect picture of what it looks like to call spade a spade and say, listen, it's wickedness before we have sex. That's deep, isn't it? And he spoke to Joseph day after day. Now, well, this is my favorite verse 10. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her. Somebody say access denied to lie beside her or to be with her. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, and though she kept texting him over and over, and though she kept sliding into his DMs, and though she was blocked by Joseph and made a different account, <laughs> he kept rejecting her over and over again because he understood that your legacy isn't what you reject once. Your legacy is birth when you reject it again and again and again and again. That's how a man is made. It's made in the fire of trial and temptation and you say no like a hammer that's causing you to be molded into something for the master's use and I'm here to tell you when you go through the fire stay in the fire of the temptation long enough to let the hammer of the rejection mold you into something for his use. It's time for this church to rise up and some real men to step up and say, I'm not just going to reject it once. I'm going to reject it until it becomes a legacy to me. That's what this world needs. And I'm telling you, I love Joseph because that scripture, it just says, and she kept coming at him. 
Man, and you know, I don't think there's anyone probably listening or even online that can say I can be Joseph because I'm not standing in front of you saying that I was Joseph, but I can tell you today that I can introduce you to a man named Jesus and Jesus can empower you to be a Joseph. Jesus will do something inside of your will that will cause your will to stand up and for you to be able to make decisions that you didn't think were previously able to be made. And that truly is what this is all about. It's a supernatural power. Somebody say access denied. Okay, here's the next one. And you can write this down. What he saw by faith for his future was greater than what he saw by lust in the present. Because you know he wanted Potiphar's wife. Come on now, let's be real. But what he saw by faith for his was, was greater than what he saw by lust in his present. It's a battle of vision. Here's another one. Whenever you lose vision for your future, you will receive compromise for your present. Do you hear me? Whoever, whenever you are in this moment where you lose vision for the future, you will receive compromise in the present moment. This is a vital message for somebody in this house, man, because there are destinies on the line today. Here's another one. You were born looking like your parents, but you will all die looking like your decisions. It doesn't matter what you inherited. What matters is what are you going to do about it? We are all born looking like our decisions. But you die, are you born looking like our parents and their decisions? You couldn't do anything about that. But what are you going to do right now? You know what I wanted to be said about this church? This is what I wanted to be said. This is the legacy I want for this house. In 2019, people were crossing sexual lines and murdering unborn babies the result of their decision. They were addicted to pornography everywhere because it was readily available on every device that they had. They were cheating on their wives and justifying it because of the difficulties in their own life and making something inexcusable excusable. But there was a group. They were a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. They were bought by the blood of Jesus. They were peculiar. They were extraordinary. They were different. They didn't act like the culture around them. And it didn't make sense. But then as time began to play out, it made perfect sense. It was like they were moving to the rhythms of a grace of a distant place called heaven. It was like they had a wisdom that didn't look like the wisdom of man. It was the wisdom of God. It was like they understood how to do something in a way that no physical hand had ever taught them. And they were men that stood up and said, I don't have boldness in myself, but he's made me bold. And they were women who said, I don't have courage in and of myself, but he gave me courage. And they were different. And they were a counterculture. And there wasn't a movie theater big enough to contain the movement because they understood that their purity was never about their own choice. Their purity was about the choice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. 
you needed a savior before you lost your virginity and you're going to need a savior after you needed a savior before you violated the sexual boundary you're going to need us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory it's not about your own works it's not about your goodness that you bring to god because none of us are truly good it's why you can forgive the most heinous act because the holy spirit turns the mirror on you and says if you haven't become the most vile person you know live long enough and you will we all need jesus we all need jesus i'm going to ask you some questions to do a heart check right now and this is just a boundary check like let's see if you need boundaries number one if you answer yes to any of these that you need boundaries does the thought of my wife, Pastor Julie, going through your phone right now unexpectedly scare you? And listen, it might not be pornography. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's not what you see. Maybe it's what you say that needs a boundary. Okay, no hallelujahs on that one. <laughs> Number two, do you talk about Gary V work ethic and that grind, but you really have a Cheech and Chong work ethic. Number three, do you find it easier to have a deep emotional relationship with someone other than your spouse or the one that you're committed to? And you listen, you don't have to answer out loud, but if you say yes to this, there's a boundary. There's a boundary that needs to be installed. Number four, now this is for the singles. Is sex necessary for you to feel like there's intimacy? Is sex necessary for you to feel like there's intimacy between you and the person that you're committed to? There's a boundary that's been broken. There's some things that need to be healed. Number five, do you find yourself seeking escape through sexual experiences and you justify it because of the difficulties in your life? If you say yes, you need a boundary. Number six, this, this may hit somebody, but do you daydream or fantasize about someone other than the one that you're committed to? Now understand, there's probably some of you listening to me right now who say, well, that's normal and it's never gonna change. But I'm here to tell you that when heaven begins to invade your mind, what's normal to them isn't normal to you. I was on a train to Manhattan the other day and I just started to pray. I said, God, give me the feelings that I had for Julie the very first times I talked to her on the phone. I don't even think that desire was my desire to even pray that in the moment. I think it was the Holy Spirit just fashioning me and molding me more into the image of his likeness because he falls in love with us over and over and over and over again. And we mess up and our relationship is fragmented and he just keeps coming after us and keeps drawing us and keeps loving us. And I, the more you become like your heavenly father, teach me how to love Julie like that. Teach me how to reignite that fire again like that. And that desire is not my own it's in me but not of me that's the treasure that we have in these jars of clay these earthen vessels that when you look through the cracks and the brokenness you see this light emanating of the love of Christ you got to love your wife with that love here's another question do you have a relationship that you don't want your significant other knowing about or knowing the depth of you know recently on social media I had asked the question 
Why, why do so many people struggle with crossing sexual boundaries? Like what is the real, what's the real battle? And, and these answers were so compelling. I wanted to share them with you in closing. Someone said, because you always think about how you felt in that moment and you wanna feel that way again. It's hard doing life and we're just, I want that feeling again. And here's what someone else said because you, you want to feel wanted and you wanna feel desirable. Can I just tell you about one of the biggest shams in relationship you'll encounter is being in a relationship with someone and you're sleeping together and you perceive it as intimacy, but actually they are being intimate with the feeling of wanting to be desired. And they're not actually in love with you, they're in love with the way you make them feel desirable. And you've, you're like, why doesn't it feel like we're connecting even though there's a sexual relationship? It's because you, they have such an insatiable desire to feel desired that it's not about you, it's about how you make them feel in that area. Sometimes you need the truth to set you free. The other one says this, because deep down, we don't believe God is as good as he says he is. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Here's another one, because sex is a drug. You know, we have this phenomenon where, and God wired us this way biologically and then Satan hacked it. But when you first meet someone, there's that rush of chemicals and hormones that's secreted by your brain and you start getting enraptured in the moment. And we have this thing happening today where people are addicted to falling in love again and again and again. But in order to get access to the, the cocktail of hormones and chemicals in their body, it has to be with a new person every single time. And so you find people are ghosting people. Some of you here today and some of you listening have these, these wounds as a result of being ghosted. You thought it was going great. You thought you were, but see, you didn't realize they were addicted to the chemical and the hormone and they had to let you go so they can get that hit again with another person. And it's sick and it's twisted and we need boundaries. Maybe that's you today. This one broke my heart, man because you don't trust your partner to be accountable for the both of you. Can you imagine being in a place where you give your body to another person for the sole purpose of not wanting them to give their body to someone else? How sick, how broken. I'm gonna sleep with him just so that he doesn't sleep with someone else and you're giving them the best of who you are. But see, all of us have this, this penchant to date to the level of our self-esteem, to marry to the level of our self-esteem, to hang with people to the level of who we think we are. And if you don't think that you have any value, you'll give it away for free. And man, seeing these answers just broke my heart. Let me read Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says this, many of you know this scripture. I'm gonna, it says, for without vision, the people what? They perish. Can I read you another translation? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the boundary. Somebody say access denied. 
It's where there is no prophetic vision. Would you dream with me right now? What's a prophetic vision? Prophecy is the mind of God migrating into the mind of man. Prophetic vision is when thoughts outside of your mind begin to enter into your mind. Prophetic vision is when you get a picture of what is to come by faith. Dream with me, church. Dream with me, V1. If you're single, dream with me. Can you see them now? Can you see that there is somebody that God's got for you? Maybe the dream and the vision died, but a prophetic vision can be released because you're in an atmosphere of faith right now. If you're married, receive a prophetic vision right now. Can you see it? Sometimes you have to close your natural eyes because all you see is your spouse acting up, running from the will of God, not surrendering to his plan. And in the natural, it seems impossible. But man, I'm telling you, you close your natural eyes and you open your spiritual eyes and you receive a prophetic vision and you say, God, I'm going to believe now that they are going to be praying with me, that they're going to be singing with me, that they're going to be preaching with me, that they're going to be running the business with me you begin to speak into that thing and receive that prophetic insight because Joseph started with a dream and see the dream that you start with is enough to see you through to the end and even though it looked crazy in those moments of temptation he was able to say no this is good but what I see is greater God in this moment can help you see something greater would you stand to your feet There's an atmosphere of faith in this room. There's people who believe that you can have the marriage of your dreams. There's people that believe that you can receive your destiny. But let me just say this. You have to pay for a gym membership and scan yourself in. Am I right? You have to purchase tickets so that you can sit in that seat at Broadway plays and sporting events. Go Knicks. You... I'm going to get jumped on the way out of church today. You have to pay for parking here in New York at a lot of places. You have to provide your email address so that you can get Wi-Fi access at Applebee's. You have to provide your ID and your insurance card to go to the doctor. Am I right? Am I right? But you're telling me that anyone and anything can access your mind and your emotions anytime. Somebody shout, access tonight. See, this is what it's about. It's about putting up a boundary and saying, I was with God, my maker. See, your parents might have had sex, but only God can give life. And if he gives life to something, he gives purpose. And if he gives purpose, he gives destiny. And where there's destiny, there's provision. And where there's provision, there is victory. So the fight is already fixed. If you want your way through temptation, the fight is already fixed. If you want your way to the other side, you just have to worship. You just have to bow down. You just have to surrender. Somebody say it, access denied. Would you close your eyes with me? I sat in the marriage counseling sessions, texting another woman, looking at my wife, thinking all I'm gonna do 
is go to enough of these sessions so I can tell my daughter, Bella, my young daughter, dad tried, but I wasn't trying. I was trying to give myself a hall pass instead of denying access. I needed a vision. I needed a vision because I had lost that vision. When I was younger, I, I had a vision for my future and purity flowed from that vision. When I met Julie, she had that vision too. If you're here, I just wanna create a holy moment. The testimony that was given today was somebody who was saying, I was sexually abused from a young age. There was a violation that occurred. There's things that happen in our lives that make us believe that our sexuality never really had value. It wasn't guarded, it wasn't protected, it wasn't stewarded. And we receive the lie of the enemy and he just runs all over our life. Some of you feel so low about your future, you can't even see it anymore. You just keep coming to church because it makes you feel good for a day or two, but the vision isn't there. I asked you to close your eyes because I'm hoping and what I've been praying for all week is that right now something supernatural would happen because once you see it, you can't unsee it because I'll never forget the day I looked at Julie and I saw it. I saw it and it was from God. I said, oh my God, it's gonna happen. I saw it and then legacy started being birthed in my heart and the things that I was involved in, it just, it didn't matter. It paled in comparison to this prophetic vision that I received. Some of you have been struggling with your singleness. Don't throw it away. Don't throw your purity away. There's a vision that can be birthed in your heart right now. This is what I've been praying for because once God pulls back the veil, see when David went to go fight Goliath, the only, the only reason why he came so confidently in front of that giant is the first thing David said is he said, I saw it. You uncircumcised Philistine, I saw a vision of my past. God delivered me from the paw, the lion, and the bear, and surely he's gonna deliver me from your hand today. There was a vision in David that was, his, his, he came in front of that giant with eyes of fire because he was like, I already seen it. God, you did it then, do it again. Right now, I just have to believe that God can give you a vision that you can see what your dad could never see for your mom. I don't know who that was for. That you could see right now in this moment what even generations before you could never see. Mighty defender, mighty defender. Holy Spirit, you are here. Your presence is here. Whenever I ask God, God, how do you heal? God's a time traveler. He's in the place, in the very moment, in the very time that those events occurred. And when you give him permission, he heals you there then and it ripples through time that's the only explanation for why something that was broken would look like it had never been broken 
is if you could go back in time in the moment where it occurred and heal it there. This is what makes the healing of God different from any other healing. I'm a recipient of that healing. That healing is here for you today. Okay, with your eyes closed, is there anyone here who's just said, Mike, as you were preaching, I just have this desire. I want to be connected with God through Jesus. I want to know, I really want to know him. Would you just raise your hand? I want God today. There's so many hands. You can put your hands down. Now we've got one more week of this series left and I believe that God is just finalizing some work he's been doing in your hearts. And I really cannot encourage you enough to come back next week for what God's got for you as you go on this journey. But see, the reason why there's such a fight in the area of sexuality is because the intimacy of sexuality produces, it's a conduit for life. And so there's so much brokenness in this area, so much demonic struggle, there's so much fight because it is a life-giving force and it partners with God to bring purpose and destiny into the earth. It's always bigger than us. The fight that I was in for my life when my wife and I went through our mess, it was bigger than me and Julie. It's because you, you were on the line. And, and so Joseph, he said to his brothers this thing, and this is one of my favorite moments in all of scripture. He looked at his brothers. He said, what you did for my harm was actually for the saving of many. I, I don't know why some of you were molested. I don't know why some of you were raped. I don't know why. This is an evil world. The Bible says though, that there is another era coming where he will wipe away every single tear. And he is the God of justice. Let me just tell you this, if you truly knew God and God's heart for justice, you, even your worst enemy, you would cry out for mercy because he is a good God. And I don't know why it happened to you. I don't know why you had to go through it, but I believe in the next few moments when we pray, God can give you the same testimony he handed to Joseph and said, Joseph, they thought that they were doing it for evil, but I was gonna use all that pain, all that rejection, all that hurt, all that woundedness, all of that, what they thought was a detour, what they thought was canceling your assignment, what they thought was gonna take you out, what they thought you would never recover from, what they thought they were calling the lights out on your life, and I am gonna turn it around for the saving of many. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And you're leaving this place with a testimony if you say yes to Jesus today. So I know that I left intentionally a little bit extra on the end here because I wanted you to experience what we experienced in the room. And I feel like if you made it this far, right now you're probably dealing with some very palpable and real life change. And so here's what you can do next. Hit up our website at www.v1.church. Send us a message. Let us know what God's doing. And follow us on Instagram at v1newyork. We'll see you next week.